Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today I came to talk about what people do or how we see, how we perceive the challenges, the troubles, you know, the testations that we have in this life, okay? Human beings have a way of reacting and responding to challenges, problems, troubles differently from each other. But the Bible is very clear that we have a covenant relationship with God. The covenant we have with God is relational. And because we have a covenant that is relational, the way the world goes through stuff is not supposed to be the way we go through stuff because we have a God who has a covenant with us. But you cannot go through the stuff you're going through as you ought until you understand how God has related with us in this covenant, touching the things that test try us, the things that trouble us, the things that attack us, the things that afflict us. Okay? And this is exactly what I'm trying to say. How do we see the challenges? That come our way? How do we view the troubles that come our way? How do we view the tests, you know, that come our way? Some are by nature easily dealt with and can be dealt with, okay? But some challenges or troubles are complicated in the eyes of men. And because they are complicated, they sometimes take us to wit's end. And we don't know what to do or how to do it. For example, if uh, somebody goes to a doctor and they tell them that you have a disease X and it's in its advanced stages, okay? And there is nothing medically we can do for you. And by percentage, nobody survives past this stage. And um, I think you better write your will. You know, put your household in order before you die. When such news comes to a believer, how are they supposed to see such trouble, such testations? Okay? Or for example, a multi-millionaire has put almost all his money in one ship with several containers. Then he receives news that the ship sank. And everything that he has worked for for the last 20 years has been sunken deep in the ocean. And there is no place of recovering these things. How do you respond to such trouble? I'm talking about the things that take you to its end. I'm talking about the things that when they happen, there is no solution physical. There is no solution available and compelling to the human understanding. The list is endless. You know, you have gone past 45, you're 50, you're 60, you're 70, according to this age, 
it's not possible to have children. So I guess you better come to terms with it and then, you know, do something else. But with this, this is the end of it. And in this walk of salvation, if you haven't found such things, you will find them. Okay? But how you relate and react and respond according to how these things are supposed to be perceived is important. Okay? Now, there are people who have gone through situations or circumstances for a very long time. Okay? Somebody has had a blood disease for more than 20 or 30 years. Perhaps they were born with it. You know? For example, we go back to the businessman. From that day on, because there was never a solution, they suffered another drought of poverty for the next 40 or 30 years of their lives. One trouble hit and damaged the person for several years. Okay? Um, it's one thing to go through these troubles. It's another when the result or consequence of these troubles takes a long time of effect on our lives. All right? There are people who go through situations that look like they're short-term kind of thing, but there are people who have gone through something for long. Okay? Since time in memorial for as long as you can remember, from the time your father lost his job, it's been 20 or 15 years since then, your household, your family has never been the same again. Since your husband lost his business, your family has never been the same again. Since your mother became sick, it's now five, six, seven years, ten years, your life has never been the same again. Yes, they got to a problem that could not be changed. And now they've entered a prolonged life of suffering. And every time you look at them, you have no words. Nothing to say. There's nothing to say. You have no comment about it. You're waiting for the worst to come. Because every day you've lived one year upon the other seeing these challenges come through and some have come to terms with it that they've accepted that that is how life is supposed to be because some troubles are so big and by magnitude of their weight they have extended longer and longer every other day until some people learn to live with them but i have news for you i have news for you especially if you've been going through something that seems like you have gone to your human effort, your human wisdom, your prayers. You've prayed for 20, 15 years about this. You have fasted about it. You have done everything you know in the book to do. And you've gotten to the end and this thing just will not change. And you're just about, or if not about, you have already accepted that this is supposed to be your way and course of life. Even though it's contrary to the word of God. And though you have questions about how God sees life or speaks concerning humanity, you have accepted the things you cannot answer and said, you know, I think let me live with this because this is just how God does his things. Okay? But God has written for us in his word. He has showed us how to react and respond to the things that seem like are irreversible and are going to take a long period or have taken long spells or will take long seasons to change. God has a word for you. Okay? Now the Bible says in First Peter chapter 5 verses 8 if you will read from the Amplified Bible 
or amplified version. God tells the Christian firstly to learn to be well balanced. Okay? And what I'm going to share is to help you understand this balance. Because there's many things in the body of Christ we call balance, but are not so. Okay? And he's saying, be temperate and be sober-minded. Keep a sober mind in whatever you're going through. Okay? And he says, be vigilant and cautious at all times. For that enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a lion, roaring in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. And verse 9 says, withstanding him, be firm in faith. All right? He says, withstanding him, be firm in faith against his onset. Rooted. You should be established. You should be strong. You should be immovable and determined. How? Okay? Knowing, number one, that the same identical sufferings are appointed to your brotherhood, the whole body of Christ. In other words, whatever you're going through, somebody in the faith has gone through or is going through at that particular point. You're not the only one going through that. But that's not the comfort. Okay? The Bible says that the whole world is going through all of these things. So you're not the only one going through. And verses 10 says, And after you have suffered a little while, the Bible says the God of all grace who imparts all blessing and favor, who has called you to his own eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself complete and make you what you ought to be, established and grounded securely, strengthened and settled. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to establish you. He wants to secure you. He wants to fix you after all you've gone through. But the catching phrase here is after a little while of your suffering. And here's the news. Whether you're going through something that the doctors can't change, the economies can't change, the world cannot change. And so it's sort of telling you that you're going to go through a long spell or you're going to need years or centuries or decades to change it. Whether you're going through something and its end can only lead to destruction and death. And when you look at the end of the tunnel, it's dark and there is no light. God has said, according to the covenant and relationship that we have with him, that whatever is suffering you, he said, it is supposed to be for a little while. God has not called a believer to suffer forever. He has not called a believer to suffer for 10 years. He has not called a believer to suffer for 20 or 30 or 40 years. That's not the relationship that he has with us. It's not the relationship that he intends to run with us. The Bible says that after a little while, after a little while, after a little while, the Greek word there for a while means after a small period of time, after a few that could be days, moments, minutes, hours, seconds. The word also means slight. In other words, if you're to go through something, however bad it is, God said, you are supposed to go through it if you are too slightly. It's supposed to have a slight change on you and you're back to normal again. That's what God has promised through his word. Okay? For a while, that little while, he means that it should be a short season, a short spell of testations, a puny experience, something small. God has not intended that anything should frustrate you for a year, two years, three years. No, 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 no. If it's a season, it's supposed to be a short one. 
If it's a time, it's supposed to be a short time. The Greek word there is oligos. Oligos means a short period of time. God has not intended that whatever suffers you or troubles you is supposed to have a lengthy period or have a consequence of destruction and death for your life. Now, let me especially emphasize those people or those things that have taken ages in trouble, ages in testation, ages in sickness, ages in poverty, ages in frustration. You are married for 10, 20 years, 15 years, 30 years, and you have never been happy in your marriage. Ever since you started working, you've worked for 20, 30 years, there's none to show you have never had the joy of a working person. You're a pastor and you've been running ministry for 25 years, 30 years, but you have never seen that testimony that must follow every man that serves God the way they should. And in your heart, much as you're encouraging people by your face, in the back you have given up all hope. You wish if it was just like any other job, you would have just, you know, put down your resignation and gone to do something else. But you cannot come out of the church You can't pull out of the ministry because there's many people that are counting on you. Or anyway, if you pull out now after the 20, 30 years of being there, what are you going to do with yourself? Where are you going to begin from? You have children, you have a wife. Everything around you is stuck. And you can look at a spell that since the time you started serving God till now, for those 20 or 30 years or 15 years of serving God, you have not really seen good like you must. So you're the master of encouragement. But you're a broken man or woman inside because things have failed, have refused. They cannot turn and move the way they're supposed to be moving. Again, this is what I say. God does not have the mind that whatever is troubling you is to trouble you for the rest of your life or for a long period of time or for until you're destroyed. That is not the way God sees whatever troubles you. That is the way the world will imply or interpret these things. That is the way the world will see these things. But God has not so called you to such testation that carries no end. That is why he says, after a little while, after a short period, after a simple small season, after a slight delay, after a very puny contradiction, he says he wants to come himself and complete you and establish you ground you securely, strengthen you, and settle you for good. So, what if they're saying, you have a disease, and with this, you're going to have to live on drugs for the rest of your life. Or else, if you go off those drugs, you're going to die. Listen to me. This is what God says. He does not intend that you're going to live on drugs for the rest of your life. That's not the will of God. I know that this might be contradictory to people who don't understand how God works or whose faith is small because they are not able to believe God for who he is. And I'm not just talking about the premature abandoning of your drugs without the faith to sustain you for your healing either. Because some people can be excited but without the revelation of the word that I'm preaching for the hour. I'm talking about God doing something in you And the next time you see yourself, you're actually healed of whatever disease. You are free from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. And you will never any day at one point go to hospital or be treated of that same disease. It's possible. It's possible. 
Today, the church is struggling. Big part of it to believe God the way they're supposed to believe him because a lot of things have changed our mind and idea and our revelation of the person of God and the mystery of faith. But this is the generation to take it all as God has given it and choose to believe God in spite of what the doctors say, in spite of what the government say, in spite of what your economy say, in spite of what your color says, in spite of where you live, in spite of your connections, in spite of your age, in spite of your abilities, in spite of anything without that could justify your claim. Because faith is personal and it is inward. God is saying this is the only way you ought to live. To live a balanced life. By aligning your mind to this reality. Steady, firm and immovable in the word that God has said. This is the consciousness that you must keep for every hour. Touching every test that comes your way. A couple of years ago. I went through a very trying season of my life. And a lot happened in that period. And believe me, even when I opened my eyes, I could not see how this was going to end. I could see that this was going to take a spell and a toll on me, my ministry and my person for years. Because I was just a babe, I just, you know, began to understand the things of faith. I was not even sure that I would live for the next two, three years. Okay? And God, in the most beautiful, calm, and most comforting statement, he said to me something that I will never forget for the rest of my life. He said, I will never let you go through things or anything, trouble, dismay, station." pain or whatever it will be, I will never let anything troubling to get to you and frustrate you longer than it must. He said to me that you'll never go through things longer than you're supposed to. So the question then was, what do you mean by I'm supposed to? Is there a time frame given? And he told me, yes, the time frame is best on your revelation of me, he said. So he said, you will only go through whatever you're going to go through, only as long as you're short of a particular revelation. And once revelation hits your spirit, it does not matter what is before you, you will always fix it. And so I learned from that day that whatever has befallen me since then, whatever has tried me, Or try to shake me. Every time it comes. I go back in the word. To seek the revelation of what he's saying. Touching that thing. And the moment I get that revelation. Whether that thing is there in one hour. In the next hour it's not going to be there. Whether I get the revelation in two days. It only leaves for those two days within. As I'm studying to get the full comprehension of the revelation. Touching that thing in that season. And the moment the revelation hits my spirit, that thing is no more. I know how to fix it. I know how to pray. And the moment I fix the way I'm supposed to fix it and pray the way I'm supposed to pray, surely it has changed. It has changed. 
I was awakened to that realization. And when I then went into the word to study, the things that I'm sharing with you are the things that I have had in my spirit for many, many years. God will never allow me to go through trouble for a long time. He will never let me get through a testation longer than the revelation of it. I don't suffer for long. I'm not tried for long. I don't have long troubles. I don't have long challenges. I don't have them. They're not there in my life. Why? Because I've awakened to the consciousness that God, if suffering should come, he has given it a time period of expiration after a little while. And it's entirely pegged on when the revelation comes in your spirit touching that thing. And that is why I feel sorry for believers who don't read the word for themselves, who have no interest in searching out the revelation of a thing as they go through it. And how to believe God immovable, steadfast, that now that it is revealed, it is fixed, and they'll never look back again at that thing. If you cannot exercise yourself into that way, you cannot walk free. You cannot walk free. And surely, when I learned that pattern, everything that has tested me has tested me for a very short time. And the light comes through and aligns everything back in order. And the next day, there's no scratch on me. Why? Because that's what God has intended for the believer. You were not meant to be poor for 20 years, to have financial issues for 17 years, to have marriage challenges for 25 years, to have a frustrating ministry for two, three years. No, 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 no. It is based on at what point this revelation hits your spirit. The moment it hits your spirit, everything is changed. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17, Paul gets this and says, for our light affliction, he says, this slight distress of the passing hour, our light affliction, our light affliction, it's a light affliction. The KJV says, which is but for a moment. It's for a moment. I don't care whether, like I said, this is supposed to be on you for years. God has called that issue a light affliction and he has given it an expiration date. He says, which is but for a moment. Whether the doctor said you have HIV, you have HIV for a moment, for a season, for a certain time. You must see this, that at one particular point, HIV will not be in your blood. That's the consciousness. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter whether, you know, the doctors have a cure for a disease or not. This is the consciousness that you carry. That whatever comes in my life is a light affliction and it's for a particular moment. And at the revelation of God touching that matter, that thing shall and must leave. Hallelujah. Glory to God. See, it doesn't matter how bad your finances have been. It doesn't matter how bad this man or woman has been in your life. It does not matter whatever has attacked 
this is the moment right now to seize this revelation and address whatever is troubling you, whether it has spent two minutes, one hour, one day, two weeks, two months, and give it an expiration date of today. In the mighty name of Jesus. That is why I intend that at the end of this service, I will pray with you that whatever has been troubling you ends today in the mighty name of Jesus. Because God has given you the option of shortening that trouble and he has given it through his word, which is but for a moment. Hallelujah. He said, this worketh, those afflictions and testations, they work for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. In other words, it's not just even coming to, to one, God has said it's not supposed to test you for years, for weeks, for days, but even more so, there is a glory that it's supposed to work out for you. While, the Bible says, we look not at the things which are seen, that virus they found in your body, that report you got from the bank, that statement you received from your suppliers, that you know, later you received uh, canceling your contract or your business or your job. He says, why do you look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen? For he says, for the things which are seen can be seen. He said, they are temporal. And he says, but the things which are not seen, they are eternal. So you get inside and start to look at the things that the world cannot see. A scientist can't see faith. A microscope cannot see faith. A telescope can't see faith. The physical eye cannot see faith. Because it's a substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. We believe and see things that many people don't see. But we carry the evidence of those things. They don't see them, but we see them. And so you're not about to build a life based on what people see. And make conclusions on your destinies based on what you have seen, has been written, or the physical eye can interpret. No, we have a life that is so defined in God, cannot be seen. But with that very life, light came into the world and created everything that you see. So he says, we understand by faith that the things that are seen were not brought about by things which do appear. Okay? So where is your reality? Is your reality in what the doctor wrote? Is your reality in what you have on your table right now with those papers that are showing you that email that you read a few days ago concerning your career, your destiny? Is it those divorce papers that were sent by your spouse because he or she is saying that this is the end of this relationship? God has said, it doesn't matter what you go through. It is light and it is for a moment. That too shall pass. You have to get a boldness that whenever something comes, you carry a consciousness in your spirit that that too shall pass. The Bible says in Psalms, verses 30, the fifth verse, the psalmist got this revelation early. He understood this in his life of relationship with God in the days when God used to express his anger. All right? You will read in the Amplified. He said, even if you have done something that you think in your head, that is to the psalmist according to their times, would make God so angry. The psalmist discovered that his anger is also momentary. It's for a moment. 
Oh, you know, I did this. I don't think God will forgive me. Oh, I think God is so angry with me. I don't think this can turn around. I messed up and I did this. Listen, if you still think, and I'm going to change your mindset a few minutes later, even if you assume that God is mad with you, the psalmist says, even if God was to be angry, he would only be angry for a moment. And the Bible says, but his favor is for a lifetime. For those of you who think that you've done the unforgivable sin, God has said that his favor is for a lifetime. And that is why he says a whipping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. It doesn't matter whatever whipping it was. In fact, to the psalmist, he saw that 24 hours would change anything. 24 hours would change anything. That evening of testations, half a day would change anything. One day would change anything. You woke up one man, and that weeping for that night, and the next day something has already changed. You're a different person from the woman that went to bed that evening. The psalmist saw that anything can change within an evening, and the next day something has changed. Anything can change within a day, a cycle of 24 hours. Anything can change within half a day. Anything can change within a minute or even a second, if you know how this works. If you read that same Psalms 30, verses 5 in the message version, he says that he gets angry once in a while. But across a lifetime, he says there's only love. The nights of crying your eyes out give way to days of laughter. Whatever you have gone through, God has promised that you will laugh through it. You will laugh yourself out of it, whatever has troubled you. He says there is a way you can wake up laughing. That is why it's working out for you a weightier glory than my words can speak right now. What is that that the doctor said? What is that that is happening in your marriage? What is that that is happening in your ministry? What is that that is happening in your business? What is that that is happening in your education, your career? I don't care what name it carries. God says that there is a lifetime of favor that is upon your life. And whatever you're weeping for, it can change. And if you believe tonight, will change by tomorrow morning. I'm talking of a God who wants to work something in your life that is going to change something that has not changed for the past 25 years, 30 years. It's going to change tonight. A woman walked to me uh, about four or five months ago and she came in my office and said, Apostle, in my family, none of my aunties got married. My mother never got married. Their children have not gotten married. And we have not seen marriage in our life. We've never seen it. She said, the thing that we're dealing with as a family is so big. I have traced back. We are seeing two, three generations where we've not seen any woman get married. But they have children out of wedlock. And I told her, you're going to be the first. And we prayed that very moment. And two weeks later, the man that she had been courting or relating with proposed in her life. They are going to see the first marriage in generations this particular year. They are going to see the first marriage in generations this particular year. Why? Because we have a God who can change anything. He can change anything. You just need to choose right now and say, God, eh? My kidneys have failed for a long time. It's ending tonight. 
these fibroids have lived in this body for long. Tonight, we're closing it. I have been struggling financially for this long. Tonight, it's ending because you promised for a little while. And tonight, by revelation, the moment the expiration of that challenge is tonight. I provoke you by the Spirit of God to believe this. You're going to be amazed what's going to happen this evening, this night, or tomorrow morning for you. Hallelujah, glory to God. If in the days he expressed wrath, the men of old even got this, that this is not a God who will get angry with you forever. In fact, in scripture we see God repenting of his anger. But we don't see God repenting of his love. He has never repented of his favor. He has never repented for revival of the soul. He has never repented for restoration of things. He has never repented for the rebuilding of things. God has never sat there and said, huh, I repent that I helped this man out of trouble. Or I repent that I helped her. Eh? Look at her. She went back in the same thing that I saved her from. God does not repent goodness or any expression of love. But we've seen him repent even of his wrath. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 54, the seventh verse, while he was talking to the children of Israel, he says that for a small moment, I love the way he has emphasized it. He says, for a small moment, I have forsaken thee. That means if, if you feel forsaken, you're not supposed to feel forsaken for a year. You're not supposed to feel forsaken for a week. You're not supposed to feel forsaken. Listen, get the revelation. Get this thing. Because people say, oh, you know the things I'm going through, Apostle? It's as though God, you know, left me, forsook me. It's been months and years. No, 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 no. That's your understanding of this. It's not God's mind touching this. He says, for though for a small moment I've forsaken thee, he says, but with great mercies, he told them, I will gather you. He says, in a little wrath, when it comes to anger, he says, in a little wrath, he says, I hid my face from thee for a moment. He says, but with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on thee, thus saith your Redeemer. When it comes to kindness, when it comes to love, when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to restoration, there is no time frame to it. But when it comes to the hiding away, when it comes to the forsaking, it was a little while, a small moment in the days of Isaiah. Okay? And he continues to say, for this is as the waters of Noah unto me. He says, I look at everything you're going through like the waters of Noah unto me. Why does he say as the waters of Noah? He says, I have sworn that I would not be wroth with thee nor rebuke thee. He's taken aback to say, if you want to understand how I deal with you when things test you, even if you're responsible for the things that you are in right now, he's saying, I tend to look at everything like the days of Noah. That I got angry with humanity and I was vexed a sore for their iniquity and I separated the Noah family and I flooded the earth and after flooding it, I even felt worse than their sin. And I felt repentance in my heart that had killed them. And I promised myself that I will never fill the world again with flood to kill humanity. Does that mean that humanity stopped sinning? No. Humanity has not stopped sinning. And perhaps today in this dispensation, the world is more wicked than it was in the days of Noah. But he made up his mind never to fill the earth with flood. You see that even in his anger in those days, in that dispensation, the Old Testament, there was a short living of that anger. 
it was a momentary experience and he always repented himself of that anger. And sometimes even when man has not committed himself to change, he would commit himself never to show wrath to that man or rebuke ever because he's not on the side of destroying man. He's on the side of retribution, restoration, revival, healing, and change for that man. That's the way of God. That's the way of the spirit. Even if you land yourself in trouble and God lets you and then he sees you and he says, you know, you're the one who put yourself in it and then you fall there. He still feels angry and hurt that you're there. Okay? He wants to do everything possible to get you out of that thing and still put you back on your rail. When his children are in trouble, even for their own fault, he is troubled in his heart that they're there. He wants to do everything possible in his own might and will to see that he gets them out and put them on the straight path. That is the God of love. That is the God of love. So, he continues to say, verse 10, for the mountains shall depart and the hills shall be removed. He says, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed. That saith the Lord. He says, I shall have mercy on thee. All that afflicted, tossed with tempest and not comforted. He says, behold, I will lay stones with fair colors. And lay thy foundations with sapphires. And I will make thy windows of agates and thy gates of cabancles and of thy borders of pleasant stones and all thy children he says because i want you to walk right and i don't want to see the same mistake you did get into your generation he even gets into your children and says and because i want to fix you for good he even goes into your seed you know your heritage and says and your children also shall be taught of me and i will ensure that their peace shall be great and he says and in righteousness i shall establish you and you shall be far from oppression for thou shalt not fear from the terror for it shall not come near thee and he says behold if anybody comes against you if anybody attacks you if anything comes against you it shall not be surely of me it won't be it will not come i will not be the one who has sent it because my heart there is to undergird you is to keep you is to protect you he says Behold, they shall surely gather, but not by me. And he says, and whosoever shall gather together against thee, I will make sure they fall for your sake. And he says, behold, I am the one who created the smith that bloweth the coals of fire and bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the wester to destroy. And he says, and no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. And he says, and this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is on me. And to all these men, he's promising all of these things. These are men that are in their most fallen state. And he's saying, I want to bring you back and rebuild you. Even though I was angry with you, I'm going to come with loving kindness. And I'm going to make sure that these things that are disturbing you don't pass into your children's children. 
So let me try to even teach. Let me intend to teach your children and make sure that I give them peace. That if anybody should bring back your past mistake in 2020 and say that man in 1999, that woman in 1992, that brother in 2004 did this, that sister in 2013 did this. He says, even if they gather, I want you to understand, they shall not be gathering by me. And I will make sure for your sake, I cause them to fall. Because no weapon fashioned against you shall prosper. And any tongue that rises against you, it shall be judged. Why? Because I don't want you to go through condemnation for the rest of your life. I don't want you to pay a price for the stuff you did 20 years back or 15 years back or 5 years back when you're still immature. Let's move on. Close that nonsense and open the next page. For me, I want to move on like that and make sure that even your children never know or even get to see that part of you. I will teach them my own self and make sure that they never make the mistakes you made and I will give them peace also. That's who God is. That's what he wants to do for you and in your life. Hallelujah. Praise God. And this is in the old covenant. How much more this covenant that you and I are under established on greater promises. How much more? How much more? Because now God is no longer at odds with us. If you will read in Romans chapter 5 verse 7, if you will read from the message version, the Bible says that we can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But we don't understand that God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatsoever to him. Because now the covenant has changed. He has brought Jesus Christ in the equation. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And he says. Now that we are set right with God. By means of his sacrificial death. That's verse 9. The consummate blood sacrifice. He says there is no longer. A question of being at odds with God. In any way. That means. Since Jesus came. And we receive Jesus. As our personal Lord and Savior. God has never been mad with a believer ever again. Because every time he should think to be mad, he sees the sacrifice that was sufficient in the person of Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter what you have done. The New Testament dispensation is a dispensation of chastisement, not judgment in anger for the believer. If there's any chastisement, he will chastise you as a child. Okay? Regardless of what is happening in your life, if it is really your doing, God will work to chastise you as a parent would chastise their children. And we know the end of that chastisement, the Bible says. It is to give us that fruit, that peaceable fruit. It's to get us to the space of restoration. Such that when God is dealing with you, you know that even if you're the one who landed yourself in that trouble, and God should come through to chastise you. The end of just chastisement is to make you better. Is to produce afterward a fruit of righteousness unto you. That you might be exercised thereby. It's not for your destruction. So there are people who you think are under judgment. But they're really under chastisement. And how they see that determines whether in their ignorance. In thinking that they are judged by God. 
They are going to continue in self-condemnation and to their destruction. Or in this revelation, they are going to, in humility, allow God to have the perfect work in them, looking unto God for that short moment of testation and chastising to be restored back on their course. And not only just restored, strengthened, perfected, established, and upheld that they might walk a more perfect walk in God. The New Testament dispensation is not a dispensation of judgment, I repeat. It's a space of restoration. It's a space of chastisement. God is no longer at odds with us. Doesn't matter what you've done. He's not angry with you. If you're a believer. He's not angry with you if you're a believer. Because this is the truth. And he continues to say, verses 10, if when we were at our worst, we were put to friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of his son, now that we are at our best, because Jesus is dead and raised from the dead, just think how our lives, think, 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 how our lives will expand and deepen by means of his resurrection life. Think about it. That means that no matter how much trouble you're going through, if it's chastisement, it's going to take you deeper. If it's chastisement, it's going to expand your life. And for some of you, it's not chastisement. You are true, you're walking your right course, but the devil has come and is frustrating you. Even deeper, it will still expand you and make you better. God is not angry with you. He is not mad at you. He is not mad at you. He's not. You see, when you become a man or servant of God, like some of us are, the one thing that must be constant before your heart always is just how much God loves you. Because if you lose that revelation of God's love and his grace available to you, the things around you will never grow. They'll never grow. Because some of the things that test us are overdoing and God will chastise us. And we must be awakened and cautious of that love. And even if it's chastisement, he's saying, it shall be only for a short while. It shall be only for a moment. It shall be only for a season. And it shall work out a greater weight of glory for us. So, regardless of whether I have done right, or have erred, I trust that his love will put me where I'm supposed to be every other day of my life. And even his chastisement, I shall feel the love that will draw me closer to him even in my weakness. And I will wake up better than I was yesterday. I'll wake up better than I was yesterday. But there are also things that come, not of my own doing. For any man that will leave God in Christ will suffer persecution. But even when it comes that way, I'm still cautious of the same result. That this is but for a moment. It is temporal. It shall pass anyway. And at that revelation of what to do, and what his word says of that thing, that is the moment it shall cease. 
And that is why I'm steadfast on his word daily. Because I know that the answer is there always. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray with you. That whatever has troubled you for long, it ends today. Now, this evening. You're going to wake up a different man and woman tomorrow morning than the man that is listening to this broadcast. And this shall be true about you every day of your life, for the rest of your life. Tonight I want to deal with those long, long term things, long term illnesses, long term financial issues, long term marriage issues, long term, you know, children issues, long term career issues, long term ministry challenges, troubles. We're going to make a prayer that is going to change everything. And from today on, your eyes will already see every testation, every trouble or challenge. As momentary, as little, as puny, as small, as for only a short time and a little season, you will see your rebuilding, your restoration, your revival, and you will see yourself in a bigger place than before you entered this circumstance. You'll understand that all things are working together for good because you love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. If there should be chastisement, you'll be conscious of his love and you will prepare in that season for your uplifting. In Jesus' mighty name. Open your mouth and speak to God right now. Pray right now. If you can speak in other tongues, speak in other tongues. If you cannot speak in other tongues, speak in the language you understand. But whatever way you pray, just open your mouth and begin to pray. Right now in the name of Jesus, we judge that sickness in your body. I don't care how long it has been. I don't care how long it has afflicted you or what the doctors have said on your life. In the name of Jesus Christ, I decree that it stops and ceases activity in your body right now in the name of Jesus. We rebuke that spirit of infirmity. I command those kidneys to heal. I command that heart to heal in the name of Jesus. I command your eyes to see in the name of Jesus. I command that migraine to cease in the name of Jesus. I command cancer to leave in the name of Jesus. Now, I command HIV to leave now. Every sort of virus to leave now in the name of Jesus. Bacteria leave now in 
the name of Jesus. Any manner of affliction, fibroids, leave now. Barrenness, leave now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hypertension, leave now. Diabetes, leave now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Back issues, leave now. Swollen feet, leave now. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Damaged organs, leave now. Every spirit of infirmity, I command you to leave now. I speak into your finances. I command the spirit of poverty to leave now. The spirit of struggle and strife to leave now. The spirit of loss to leave now. I speak for your family. I command those divisions to leave now. Those misunderstandings to seize now in the name of Jesus Christ. For your children to come back home now. For your boy to get off drugs now in the mighty name of Jesus for your daughter to come back home now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I command them to live now. 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 Not tomorrow. Not next week. This is the moment. This is the hour. This is the time. This is the point in the axis of your period life. I decree and I declare that those things are gone now. I speak to your career to be realigned now for your job to be given now for your business to come now for the restoration to come now and this evening you are beginning another page of life in the mighty name of Jesus. God is changing your husband. God is changing your wife. God is changing your relatives in the mighty name of Jesus. Those that have been speaking evil about you, we judge those words now. We judge those tongues now and it shall not be hard again in the name of Jesus Christ. We speak your restoration now. We speak your deliverance now in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout hallelujah. Say amen. Thank him for what he has done. With thanksgiving, raise your hands and tell him I am healed now. I am delivered now. I am changed now. Things have transformed now. Whatever has troubled you is changed now. God shall not allow me to suffer long. It ceases tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. His mercies are upon me. His love is upon me. His deliverance is upon me. His power is working on me. His wisdom is working in me in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you're not born again, these things are not for you, but they can be for you tonight. And I want to give you an open invitation to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. His mass is extended for you. His love is there toward you. And he says, that with loving kindness I've drawn you. There is no name under the earth or in heaven or on earth by which men are saved but the name of Jesus. And the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess the Lord Jesus, you are born again. And so I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for my life. I receive you tonight as my Lord and Savior, I'm born again. I believe that you died and you were raised to life for my glory. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. 
For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest. Thank you.